Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Bill Thomas. I'm a writer, consulting producer, and now podcaster. I am now trying to use my experience as the brother of a murder victim to help other victims of violent crime. I'm working on a book on the Unsolved Colonial Parkway Murders, and I'm the co-administrator of the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook group, together with Kristen Dilley. My name is Kristen Dilley. I'm a writer, a researcher, a teacher, and a victim's advocate, as well as the social media manager and co-administrator for the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook page with my partner in crime, Bill Thomas. Welcome to Mind Over Murder. I'm Kristen Dilley. And I'm Bill Thomas. I understand that you are back having crushed the Christmastown Dash 8K race. So tell us how you're feeling and tell us all about your racing experience yesterday. Well, I don't know that I crushed it. I did meet my goal. I said I wanted to come in under a certain time and I did. I'm not going to share what that time is because there are athletes out there who will make fun of me. Oh, come on now. I met my goal and I'm good with it. You said you wanted um, to finish the 8K, which is 4.9 miles. Is that right? 4.9 miles. Yep. I wanted to do All right, Fine. I'll do it. I wanted to do it under 70 minutes and I did. <laughs> I had a feeling we could cajole you into this. I wanted to do it under 70 minutes. I did it in 66 minutes. Fantastic. Congratulations. The most important thing is you finished and you finished in style. I finished in style. And then collapsed as soon as you crossed the finish line, as I understand it. <laughs> now I was able, I got my medal, I got my banana, I got my water, I got my pretzels, um, and I gave hugs to the people who were with me who would tolerate hugs. And well, then well. I collapsed a little bit, <laughs> but it was fine. It was okay. My ankle injury got in my way a whole lot more than I wanted it to. So that was the biggest issue, but... I still did it and I'm proud of myself, but I don't think I'm going to do an 8K more than like once a year. Fair enough. And were the lights on and were there Christmas celebrations going on at Bush Gardens? Yes, it was lovely. So Santa Claus kicked off the race. And as I was telling you off air, Mrs. Claus actually ran the race. She had her own little number that says Mrs. Claus. I am impressed. Yeah, it was great. She ran the race. Um, and, fi- and finished. She actually ran the entire yes. race. That's impressive. And there's probably somewhere on the results sheet, there is a, a Mrs. Claus crossing at some point or another. 
The lights and everything were on at Bush Gardens for Christmas Town. And for anybody who is not familiar with Bush Gardens, that is our super big theme park here that has been voted the world's most beautiful theme park. And it is. So they had their lights and everything on. There was holiday music. And because this did benefit Toys for Tots, there were hunky dressed up Marines all over the place that you could <laughs> fist bump as you went by. Like if you had the wherewithal to do it. Could you hug hunky Marines if you wanted to? Yeah, no, no, definitely not. But uh, yeah, I, I fist bumped a couple of them. That was great. Okay. Well, great. having handsome Marines in full dress is probably an inspiration, is it not? It, it was definitely. Uh, yeah. And they had, uh, you know, they had water stations throughout at the end. When you hit mile four, they had a candy cane station where you could either get candy cane <laughs> or jelly beans. It's like a, you- a last bit of sugar rush energy to get you through the, the 4.9 miles. Can you eat candy canes or jelly beans while running? Um, I did. I managed to eat a candy okay. cane. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, I, I, at that point, I kind of needed the sugar. So I knocked back a, a mini candy cane. And I swore for most of the last mile because it was really painful. <laughs> but I, I got it. I did it. Grumbling and offering blue language to anyone that would listen. Well, to be fair, Charity made sure that there were no kids around. And then she was like, okay, you can swear. (laughs) And Charity is your running partner. Charity is my running partner. I owe her a lot for getting me through this race. She could have gone a lot faster, but she stuck with me, which I really appreciated. I think she had a good time. And did her sister's faith and hope run this one? Okay, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I was calling her Verily before we went on the air today. Yeah, she were. I don't think she would appreciate. Actually, she'd probably find it hysterical. She's got a very good sense of humor. Chastity would be annoyed with me, wouldn't she? (laughs) Probably. And you're saying this as if I haven't taught kids with all of those names over the years. Oh, you've got kids with names not found in nature. I mean, there's some crazy ones. We're probably not going to discuss that. (laughs) No, no, we're not. But yeah. I don't want to pick on your students. No, no, no. They're good kids. And how many zillion people ran this race? It was 2,000 people who ran the race. As you were telling me, it wasn't a mass start. I was picturing 2,000 people being an incredible sort of traffic jam of runners, but they spread them out. Yeah, so you have to give your mile time when you register for the race, and that determines what corral you're in. So the super fast runners who have like seven to nine minute miles, they start first, and then there's a four minute break, and then the next set goes, and then there's a four minute break, and then the final set goes. Ah, And I was in the final set just to be conservative. So there was still, it, it was a lot of runners. And I hope a lot of fun and for a great cause. It was. Yes, it was great fun. It was for a great cause. So I know that a portion of the proceeds went to Toys for Tots and then they encouraged people to bring a toy with them to Bush Gardens. And so there were big drop boxes where you could drop off a toy and then they did raffles and everything. So it was, it was great. Actually, I really enjoyed it. I don't know that I will do it again. Although I I say it now and watch this time next year. I was thinking the same thing. You said once a year and that would be next year around Christmas time. I think if I can train for it a little bit better and I can get some better care for my ankles, I think I, I can probably do it again. I think your Virginia pride will kick in and you'll say, I have to do it again. Yeah, probably. And Charity, your running partner is going to say, come on, girl, let's go. Yeah, she definitely will. She's she's good for that. Handsome so. Marines await. <laughs> I don't think my boyfriend would appreciate that, but you know, he doesn't listen to this podcast, so it's right. fine. <laughs> so, hey, Mark, you know, we said nice things about you and okay, there was some eye candy at 
bush gardens <laughs> but hey you will never hear this so it's okay <laughs> well happy holidays everybody if you're yes. not out running or not out running around uh, hopefully you have time to listen to a little bit of true crime podcasting here with the mind over murder team it, it has been a crazy week or two in true crime news. So I feel like there's a little something every single day to talk about, which is why we have been posting a lot on our social feeds. Please do join us on our social media pages because we are trying to post at least a little something every day about the interesting true crime stories that are making it in the news that we maybe don't have time to cover on the pod. Please do check our pages. There are so many times where we look at each other and say, we could easily do an episode on this or that or the other story. And obviously we can't cover them all. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. No question. Everybody should definitely look for the story on Mind Over Murder about the murder that was solved recently using DNA from a conch shell. That was super cool. We're always glad to see unsolved murders moving forward again with perpetrators identified, hopefully families getting some answers. And our friends at Othram are doing a fair share of busting. So I feel like we may need to get David Middleman back on here fairly soon and have him give us an update. <laughs> it's like not a day goes by where they're not cracking a case or two or three. Well, we are going to jump into our coverage for today, and we are going to discuss Jeffrey Epstein. We talked about Ghislaine Maxwell last week. If you haven't had a chance to listen to our episode about Ghislaine Maxwell in the first couple of days of her trial, we do urge you to do so. And we're going to get into her evil counterpart. I feel no compunction about calling him evil because let's be real, he is. We are going to talk about Jeffrey Epstein today. As we were talking about a little last week, Jeffrey Epstein is Glenn Maxwell's partner, if, if you will, in sexual abuse of underage girls. Jeffrey Epstein was a financial investor and fraudster. He died in police custody on August 10th, 2019, while awaiting trial on numerous charges of having sex with underage girls. He's actually a fascinating character, as reprehensible as he might be. First of all, he moved in very elite social circles, and he's likely guilty of procuring a number of women, but especially underage girls. Both Epstein and some of his associates then sexually abused these young girls, often as young as 14 years old. Just despicable. I always hesitate to bring this up, but I think it's important that people understand that Epstein spent his entire life cultivating rich and powerful people, especially men. Yes. I'm going to mention some of the high-profile individuals that he was associated with. With this caveat, I find that our friends on the left immediately seize on these individuals who are on the right side of the spectrum. And I find then our friends on the right immediately seize on the names from the left side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Please, for the love of God, I'm going to try to play this straight down the middle. There's no question that Jeffrey Epstein is a complete and total sleazebag. He did cultivate the rich and powerful on every side of the political spectrum. So if everybody could please calm down about, well, this guy or that guy, including at least two former presidents, were associated with Jeffrey Epstein. 
Among his many longtime relationships with high-profile individuals, they include Donald Trump, Leslie Wexner, who was the CEO of The Limited and Victoria's mm-hmm. Secret Fortune and so on, very successful billionaire businessman who likely is the primary source of Epstein's money. Bill Clinton, Alan Dershowitz, Harvard lawyer who also defended Epstein at different times, and Prince Andrew, the Duke of York, among many others. Please, folks, we don't need reminders from everybody's political perspective about, well, of course, you know, it was the Clintons, or of course he was associated with Trump. He associated with rich and powerful people from all sides of the political spectrum. Now, Including that, British royalty. Exactly. One of the reasons why Prince Andrew is in the doghouse with the royal family now is because of his association with Epstein and evidence that he was involved with underage girls. We've seen photographs mm-hmm. online of him with at least one of the women that's currently suing him. This is actually probably pivotal. Epstein is alleged to have recorded many of his friends having sex with these underage girls as a way to blackmail them. After he was arrested, investigators found that his multiple homes in multiple locations and even in different countries were all set up with very elaborate and secret recording equipment, which then fed into almost bunker-like spaces hidden within those structures where there would be like a control room and these hidden cameras would be recording activities in bedrooms, bathrooms, throughout the entire complex. And he did this in multiple homes. It has been reported that there are thousands of hours of tape of these underage girls having sex with many of these prominent men. Just when you think it couldn't get any more despicable, it does. You find yourself in a lower place. And as despicable as Epstein is, one of the things I find most disturbing about this is the beyond the beyond free ride that he received from prosecutors who should have taken this guy out years ago. The sweetheart deals that he was offered and accepted and the amount of evidence that should have been used against him that was completely overlooked or swept under the rug is shocking. So we'll try to cover that as much as we can. Epstein's problems with the law start in about 2006, but his association with Jelaine Maxwell start much earlier. She started out as his quote-unquote girlfriend for a number of years, and that would have been back into the 90s. Mm-hmm starting as as early as 92 or 93. And at some point, their relationship in terms of being a couple appears to kind of peter out or end, but their business association continues so that she ends up kind of being his, what did they say? His major domo, his sort of- Major domo, yeah. She sort of ran his households for him. And then she ended up procuring scores, if not hundreds of young women. The Miami Herald's reporter, Julie Brown, did an outstanding series of newspaper articles in 2018, and she identified 80 girls that had been sexually solicited and abused by this pair and personally spoke to 60 of those girls. 
We did start hearing from some of those women, girls then, women now, in Ghislaine Maxwell's trial. And as you were saying off air, a number of reporters who were at that trial have said that the testimony that they were listening to was almost unbearable, listening to what Epstein and Maxwell put them through. I can't imagine how horrible it must have been to undergo it for the first time and then have to relive it a second time in a court of law. These early days of the testimony centering around the woman who's been identified as Jane, the reporter said it was just so disturbing to listen to a tremendous amount of graphic detail. Now, this woman is now in her 40s, as you reported last time, but she's having to go back to being sexually abused as a 14-year-old girl and recount in great detail what Epstein and Maxwell did to her and how they recruited her and eased her into this really kind of life of sexual abuse for a number of years. Yeah, this grooming behavior. I was reading some of the reporting that was done. And, and as we uh, established for people, this trial is not being filmed. It's, it's You cannot watch it live on television, but that is par for the course with a federal trial. Reading some of the reporting on this is just stomach turning, but it really does reveal a pattern of grooming for abuse and coercive control that's just horribly unsettling. And for him to have done this to 60, 80, probably more women, there, there is no word good enough to describe him other than monster. I mean, I, I'm sure if I really spent some time with the thesaurus, I could come up with another one, but monster just seems to do it for me right at the moment. The numbers probably extend into the hundreds particularly since Epstein had been involved in this activity for a decade or more. His legal problems really come to a head the first time in 2006 when he was charged with abusing a 14-year-old girl at his Palm Beach home. And there was a 13-month-long investigation that led to information that established that Epstein had abused dozens, if not hundreds, of girls. He received massages three times per day from underage girls, some as young as 14 years old, as we've discussed. And what I think is most shocking is that after a lengthy investigation and a vigorous defense, he ended up being basically given the lightest possible slap on the wrist that anyone has ever heard of. Now, his defense attorneys included very prominent attorneys, including household names, Roy Black, Gerald Lefcourt, Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz. So Dershowitz Mm -hmm. appears to be an abuser and a legal defender. And then former U.S. solicitor Ken Starr. Again, extremely well-connected, absolute top-of-the-line legal talent from both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, defending him from these charges. Alexander Acosta, who was then the United States Attorney for the Southern District in Florida, somehow shockingly agreed to a plea deal, which Alan Dershowitz helped to negotiate, that granted immunity from all federal criminal charges to Jeffrey Epstein, along with four named co-conspirators and, wait for it, any unnamed potential co-conspirators. So people like some of the A-list names that we mentioned, including two former presidents who had traveled with Epstein and attended his parties and abused these young girls, in most cases repeatedly, 
would have been covered, we believe, under this potential co-conspirators language, which was so broad that it basically was a get-out-of-jail-free card for not just Epstein, but a number of other people. Yeah, this doesn't even feel like a slap on the wrist. This feels like a sort of a, hey, buddy, we're going to punish you for this. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This is reprehensible. Absolutely reprehensible. According to the Miami Herald, the non-prosecution agreement put together by Alexander Acosta essentially shut down an ongoing FBI probe into whether there were more victims and other powerful people who took part in Epstein's sex crimes. At the time, this halted the FBI investigation and sealed the indictment. The Miami Herald reported, quote, Acosta agreed, despite a federal law to the contrary, that the deal would be kept from the victims, unquote. Mm. So these dozens, if not hundreds of young women who'd been sexually abused were not even permitted to know that their accusations and their sexual assaults were going to be basically wiped clean as part of a sweetheart deal for Jeffrey Epstein, and they weren't even to know about it. You're listening to Mind Over Murder. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Many of you know that Authram is leading the way in DNA testing, helping law enforcement solve missing persons, homicides, and sexual assault cases across the United States and Canada using forensic-grade DNA tests. You can help this important cause by contributing funds and your DNA profile to Authram's free site, dnasolves.com. The process is easy and confidential. Just choose simple steps. Now DNA Solves has added another new feature, DNA Solves Connect, which will allow you to upload your DNA profile to help law enforcement, even if you've never used one of the commercial genealogy sites. If you're looking for a missing family member or have lost touch with someone, DNA Solves Connect is an incredible option at only $14.95. Upload your DNA profile to dnasolves.com. Join Mind Over Murder as we help families find answers with Authram and dnasolves.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're back here at Mind Over Murder. A federal judge later found that these prosecutors had violated the victim's rights in that they had concealed the agreement from the victim's Instead, the prosecutors urged all of these victims to have, quote unquote, patience. I don't understand how Alex Acosta can look at himself in the mirror. I I truly have no frame of reference for someone who is willing to throw so many people under the bus in defense of this one man. Just so we're clear here, this is the same Alexander Acosta who was appointed by President Trump to be the Secretary of Labor during the previous administration. Had the Miami Herald not gotten involved in 2008 to report on this just insane sweetheart deal, this likely would have escaped any kind of public notice. But a reporter named Julie Brown just did an outstanding series of articles, which we'll link to in the show notes, that created such a stir 
in 2018 that people began to take notice that this guy who was a sexual predator <laughs> had been given the ultimate sweetheart deal. According to an internal review conducted by the Department of Justice, which was released in November 2020, note this is after the series of newspaper articles which were so critical of the deal, Acosta showed, quote, poor judgment, unquote, in granting Epstein a non-prosecution agreement and failing to notify Epstein's alleged victims about this agreement. The way this worked, actually, this sweetheart deal, back in 2008, after Epstein pled guilty to one state charge of procuring for prostitution a girl below 18, he was sentenced to 18 months in prison. And while most convicted sex offenders in Florida are sent to state prison, Epstein was housed in a private wing of the Palm Beach County stockade. According to the sheriff's office, after three and a half months, he was allowed to leave the jail on a work release program for up to 12 hours a day, six days a week. So basically he slept at the jail but then he left six days a week for up to 12 hours a day. And he was accompanied by officers who weren't even dressed in law enforcement attire, although they were law enforcement officers. They wore suits and almost behaved as if they worked for him while mm-hmm. he went about his business six days a week. His cell door was left unlocked and he had access to an attorney room where there was a large screen television installed for him. Ultimately, he was moved to the stockades, previously unstaffed infirmary, although there was nothing wrong with him medically. The whole thing is just insane. He served about 13 months of his 18-month sentence and then was released from jail, if you want to call it released at all. <laughs> Do we want to call that jail? This even? isn't the experience that most incarcerated uh-uh. individuals would have gone through. I'm sure Ghislaine Maxwell wishes it, it was the experience she's having now. Exactly. She's in jail and going nowhere versus the kind of treatment that he received. He was given a year of probation from July 2009 until August 2010. While he was on probation, and again, this is extremely unusual, he was allowed numerous trips on his corporate jet to his residences in Miami and the United States Virgin Islands. So he's actually allowed to leave the country He was also allowed long shopping trips and to walk around Palm Beach for exercise. The whole thing just stinks to high heaven. Oh, it's awful. Further, after he contested being designated a level three sex offender, which indicates a high risk of repeat offenses, that Mm -hmm. strong possibility thereof, He fought that and insisted that he did not want to register in New York State as a level three, despite the fact that this guy had clearly abused dozens, if not hundreds, of underage girls. At the hearing, the Manhattan District Attorney argued unsuccessfully that the level should be reduced to a low-risk level one and actually was chided by the judge in court for going so easy on Epstein. Despite opposition from Epstein's lawyers that he had a home in the United States Virgin Islands, the judge confirmed that he personally had to check in with the NYPD every 90 days, as they would for a more serious sex offender. And although he was left as a level three, that is a serious sex offender in New York, the New York Police Department never enforced the 90-day regulation, even though noncompliance, that is failure to check in, is a felony. This guy basically gets away 
with abusing dozens, if not hundreds of young women, and then is given the most impossible, easygoing, look the other way treatment by everyone involved in his prosecution, incarceration, and probation. Money talks. It sure does. Unreal. It's not till the Miami Herald blows the lid off the Epstein scandal that the federal government steps in again and begins taking another look at Epstein's many crimes and begins to move forward with another prosecution of Jeffrey Epstein. Now we've reached the conspiracy theory portion of our of our podcast where we discuss whether or not Jeffrey Epstein actually killed himself. And for the record, I don't believe anything about the conspiracy theories. Now, of course, I have plenty of students who still every once in a while, if they want to derail discussion entirely, will either bring up the earth is flat or Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. And they know that that's going to get somebody to argue with them. Imagine teenagers not wanting to discuss what's going on in class. They'll pull out Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself or the earth is flat. Either one. They know they're going to get a rise out of somebody. As we talked about a few minutes ago, one of the key things to remember about Epstein is that he has courted rich and powerful men for decades. And Mm -hmm. he has an amazing ability to insinuate himself into situations which are advantageous to him, both financially and helpful to him in situations like the one he found himself in where he was being prosecuted. Keeping in mind that his rich and powerful friends had partied with him at his various homes in the United States and perhaps most importantly had traveled with him on one of his many aircraft, which were referred to as the Lolita Express. Oh, okay. The English teacher in me really, really does not like that literary reference. I can't say that I do either. Oh. These flights, which were frequent, sometimes as many as several per week, would result in a destination, a private island that he owned in the U.S. Virgin Islands, which locals referred to as Pedophile Island. Many, many young girls were seen traveling to Pedophile Island via Jeffrey Epstein's private airplanes. There are these A-list names that we've talked about, including former presidents, and many, many others were known to travel to this private island numerous times. There are debates about whether or not the Clintons were aboard 17 times or 32 times. I don't think the matter is really about how many times did an individual's name show up in the manifests, but it's very clear that a number of these people traveled to this private estate and were at parties and other gatherings where young women were sexually abused. These women were trafficked and procured by Maxwell for the use and abuse of Epstein and his friends. Which makes her every bit as much of a monster as he is, if not more, because she's a woman. How do you do this to young girls? It's pretty pathetic. Now, moving on to Epstein's death, which is admittedly under mysterious circumstances, we'll try to capsulize this as best we can. Epstein died in August 2019 in police custody. In July 2019, July 23rd to be exact, about three weeks prior to his death, Epstein was found unconscious in his jail cell with injuries to his neck. Epstein had said he believed he was attacked by his cellmate. The cellmate was awaiting trial on four counts of murder. The correctional staff suspected this was an attempted suicide. 
However, and here we go again, six days later on July 29th, 2019, Epstein was taken off suicide watch and placed in a special housing unit with another inmate. While Epstein was placed in the special housing unit, the jail informed the Justice Department that he would have a cellmate and that a guard would look into his cell every 30 minutes, basically keeping an eye on him Mm -hmm. in a suicide watch. But then on August 9th, 2019, Epstein's cellmate was transferred out of that particular cell, but no one took his place. Mm. And this is why people start to get conspiratorial, I think. Conspiratorial about it, yep. So later on that evening, contrary to the jail's normal procedure, Epstein was somehow not checked every 30 minutes, which is what was supposed to happen. And the two guards that were assigned to check his jail unit that night said they fell asleep and they did not check on him for about three hours. And of course, the guards were disciplined because they were found to have falsified related records. In other words, they're supposed to be putting in their logs that they checked on him every 30 minutes and that didn't happen. I get why people get crazy about this. Two cameras that faced Epstein's jail cell conveniently malfunctioned that same evening. Yes. And definitely, you know, exactly what you said. You can see where people might get conspiracy theoretical about it. And, oh, I bet he was, you know, knocked off by someone or another or this, that or the other thing. I understand the tendency to want to make more of it than it actually is, is strong. And yeah, there are some pretty weird coincidences in there with malfunctioning cameras and guards who fell asleep, even though they shouldn't have. As you and I have said off air a couple of times now in response to both this and other things that we have seen pop up on pages, not everything is a conspiracy theory. Not even most things are conspiracy theories. And things that are wild and wacky, it doesn't necessarily mean anything other than the fact that it's a weird coincidence. You said conveniently malfunctioned. Maybe it really actually was a malfunction. Who knows? I I don't think we're ever going to get any answers as to whether or not Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. But I, I think that if you are going to look for a great big higher conspiracy theory behind it all. Therein lies madness. Let's not go that way. (laughs) I think Epstein actually was trying to kill himself. I think he had tried to kill himself three weeks prior. And I think arrangements may have been made to kind of look the other way, much in the same way we saw happen earlier during Epstein's sweetheart deal Even the prosecution where they kind of looked the other way and only charged him with one or two charges when they should have been bringing up scores of different charges, assuring him a long jail sentence. My inclination is to think that Epstein was basically permitted to kill himself. I don't think there was a crack team of government ninjas who snuck in below camera level and, you know, throttled him through the bars. That becomes too conspiratorial. But I I agree with you. I think that for somebody who knew he was going to be having not just a book, but multiple books thrown at him, he would have every reason to want to kill himself. Absolutely. His freedom was going to be curtailed from here on out. Uh, I tend to agree with your theory. I think it's the most logical one. I think there's a very good chance that if the prosecution had gone well, that Jeffrey Epstein would have spent the rest of his life deservedly behind bars. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that was something he was willing to accept. And I don't think he was willing to accept being forced to sit through a lengthy trial with grotesque evidence being presented against him and being forced to look into the eyes of one woman after another after another who were going to be accusing him of raping them and sexually abusing them when they were 14, 15 years old. 
The bottom line is that Jeffrey Epstein was found dead in his cell at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York City at 6.30 a.m. on August 10, 2019. Oddly, that same day, the U.S. Bureau of Prisons and the United States Attorney General William Barr called the death an apparent suicide, although no final determination had been made. Talk about getting ahead of yourself. Mm-hmm. The circumstances leading up to his death are being investigated by the Department of Justice. Kristen, as you said, any kind of likely conclusion seems pretty remote at this point. It is a sad and sordid story all the way around. Sad for the victims. I mean, I feel no sense of sorrow for Jeffrey Epstein or his death. A fund has been set up to compensate some of Epstein's victims $126 million has been distributed so far in civil penalties and has been paid out to some of his victims. They still have to go through that process, and that in and of itself is probably difficult, painful, and often degrading. However, money from Epstein's pretty substantial fortune, much of which likely came from his management of funds for his rich friends has been used to compensate some of these individuals. Many experts theorize that Leslie Wexner of the limited and Victoria's Secret fortune is likely his largest benefactor, and Mm -hmm. he paid Epstein probably hundreds of millions of dollars over the years for management of his substantial fortune. At least some good is coming from Epstein's financial holdings to help compensate these victims. And we'll continue covering updates in the Ghislaine Maxwell trial as they continue to happen. Between recording last week and recording today, we did see some new witnesses in the Maxwell trial, including the housekeeper for Jeffrey Epstein. That was particularly interesting testimony. The next time that we do an update on the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, we will bring everybody up to speed on what has been reported thus far. It is very difficult testimony to listen to, and our hearts go out to all of the people who are willing to step forward and report on the terrible things that Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell did to them. At this point, it appears that Maxwell will end up being the focus of the prosecution and people's search for answers and justice, if such a word can be applied. Right. So her trial and the financial settlements resulting from the civil actions that a number of these women have taken against Epstein may be the only justice they receive. It's very interesting to note that Prince Andrew is being pursued legally as well. It'll be fascinating to see how that process unfolds in the coming months. It would be just fantastic from my point of view to see some of these perpetrators be forced to face justice for their actions. Agreed. Wholeheartedly agreed. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Mind Over Murder. Thanks for listening to our coverage of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial and the Jeffrey Epstein backstory leading up to it. We'll continue our coverage in upcoming episodes. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Mind Over Murder is a production of Absolute Zero and Another Dog Productions. Our executive producers are Bill Thomas and Kristen Dilley. Our logo art is by Pamela Arnois. 
Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod. Mind Over Murder is distributed in partnership with Crawl Space Media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also follow our page on the Colonial Parkway Murders on Facebook. And finally, you can follow Bill Thomas on Twitter at BillThomas56. Thank you for listening to Mind Over Murder. <laughs>